Welcome to Garfield Memorial Church. We are one church in three locations, Pepper Pike, Ohio, South Euclid, Ohio, and Liberia, Africa. Together, we seek to widen the circle through our core values of diversity, safety, authenticity, growth, and forgiveness. To learn more about Garfield Memorial Church, visit our website at garfieldchurch.org. And now, may you be blessed and inspired by our weekly podcast of the message from the 10 a.m. Sunday morning Mosaic worship service. Garfield Memorial Church, widening the circle. All right, so glad to be with you this morning. My name is Chip Freed. I have the privilege of being one of the teaching pastors here at Garfield Memorial Church with Pastor Scott, Pastor Lori, Pastor Terry, Pastor Steve. Um, we have been immersed in this series, putting on your spiritual PPE, your personal protective equipment. What do we need to put on in the midst of these times that we can be prepared against what's called the schemes of the devil. I got to tell you something. God is so good. I've got two words for you today that have just been on my heart. My wife and I took a little time off. Uh, I had a birthday this past week. Yeah, that daggone father time is undefeated. Um, And you've racked it up. But we decided we want to go social distance ourselves on a lake somewhere. So we went and did that. We just try to recharge our batteries. I am so blessed to be married to my ministry partner, just not my best friend. And we prayed, I mean, she prayed every single day that we would just be renewed, that we would be up to this time. She prayed for this church. I gotta tell you something. Garfield Memorial, you got me as a pastor, but you got uh, uh, you know, my partner as the prayer warrior of this church. She was just pouring out And we were recharging because we had two words. Ready? Preparation and reconciliation. Preparation and reconciliation. That God is preparing his church right now for something different. Something new. On Faith on Friday, we had our Episcopal leader, Bishop Tracy Malone. She is an amazing, anointed leader. Uh, I stand under her authority. She is my pastor. She is, you know, my governing uh, uh, elder And she said in our faith on Friday, if you were there at five o'clock, God is creating a new church, new wineskins. Isaiah said it this way, back in a day of a pandemic in their day and age, he said, I am doing a new thing. Are you ready for it? I'm preparing a water in the wilderness. I'm, I'm making crooked ways straight. You read it. Like God is doing something. I know we are nervous. We are confused. We're uncertain. I mean, today we hope to be welcoming some folks in here at the 10 o'clock service. We did our drive-in service. But, you know, we're, we're listening to the Cuyahoga Board of Health, uh, Cuyahoga County Board of Health. We understand the spiking that's happening. God, we're, we're just, we're being nimble. We're, we're reflecting. It reminds me of the early church. If you remember the early church in the book of Acts, when the persecutions came, they weren't fools. They didn't go out there and hold public worship next to the Colosseum where Christians were being killed. They went down into the catacombs. They went underground and they worshiped together because worship was a time of preparation for the real game that was out there on the field. I, I, I played Division I college sports. I know I don't look like it, but I did way back when. And we realized you were preparing all the time 
for what was going to happen. Spring training in baseball, right? Uh, OTAs and, and training camp in football. Like you had to do some things before you were on the field. And so right now feels like a very special time in the Church of Jesus Christ in the, in the United States of America. We've gone into the catacombs. We've been smart. We've gone into homes. We've gone into places. We're huddling up. And we're preparing for what God is going to do through us. On the other side of all this, on the other side of a global pandemic, on the other side of a pandemic that's, that's plagued our country for years with the race crisis, that there's something that God is preparing his people for, for a next move of God in this world. And so preparation like we're in this series, Spiritual PPE, we're closing it up today. And I gotta tell you, you talk to Pastor Scott, you talk to Pastor Terry, every June leading up to this year, we go into our prayer closet and we try to plan out our teaching series for the year. You know, we figure that the Holy Spirit doesn't just show up when you wing it. Sometimes the Holy Spirit shows up when you prepare. Somebody told me they didn't build the temple with duct tape. They took their time with cedars and gold and what have you. And we, we, we plead, we, we go before God, and we ask God to teach us and show us what God wants to say. And we had this Ephesians 6 series since 2015, right, Pastor Terry? 2015, five years. And we kept trying to shoehorn it in. Maybe we'll use it here, we'll use it there. And it just never fit. And then in June of 2019, we felt the Holy Spirit say, after Easter. After Easter. We had no idea what after Easter was going to be. But for 12 weeks now, Scott and Terry and Chip and Steve have come at you with what? Putting on the whole armor of God. Preparation. God is preparing us for something. And here's the next word, reconciliation. That we, we had, you know, a burden was put on me for Vision 2020 that we were, we were going to be dreaming out three years, five years, ten years for our church. And the devil came in with this pandemic and said, you don't know what's going to happen three minutes, five minutes, or ten minutes from now. And we said, we don't care. We'll wait a month and we'll be back at it. And you have a vision team that's been dreaming and searching and seeking what is the Spirit saying to the church? Like Revelations? And, and I love it. Our vision team is all younger than me. Like they're going to be here long after I'm gone. And through prayer and through focus, I'm going to send you all out in August. I'm sending our leaders this month a little draft of what the Holy Spirit laid on our hearts. And it said that Garfield Memorial Church has been given the ministry of reconciliation. That in the midst of the enemy's cause to divide what Paul says, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, that for whatever reason, Garfield's been put into it. People who are diverse, people who are different, people who don't look alike, who don't vote alike, who don't do this, that we are supposed to go out there and take back what the enemy has stolen from us and reconcile people to God and to himself. That was, that was Jesus' dream in this church. John 17, read it, his last prayer that before he died was he said, I pray for these, I pray for those, I pray for myself, I pray for this. But he said, I pray for those who will come to know because of his testimony. That was for us. And he said what? I pray that they would be, ready, completely one. So that the world would know 
that you sent me. And so for whatever reason, everyone to the vision team has decided that God has given us a so that ministry. And some people won't want to do it. And some people will leave. That's okay. They have before. And other people will come so that we can be in this ministry of reconciliation. And so God has been preparing us, putting on your spiritual PPE. Next week, we're going to start a new series called Planted, where we're going to talk about, uh, you know, what you have to plant to receive output. So everything has been being prepared. Something's going to happen in the fall. And Pastor Scott and Terry and Steve and Lori and I, we're going to preach this ministry of reconciliation in the fall. But it's like God is preparing us. Put on your whole armor. Put on your spiritual PPE. We're going to look for four weeks. What are those things you have to plant that, that give output, input things to bring output? Like God is preparing us. Because I got to tell you something. God has a vision for our church. We have an amazing staff you know, I, I took a little time off here. I come back, I hear Dre and Leah and Justin and Jess and our, this morning our drive-in service, Craig and Mary Beth and parts of our choir. And I'm like, gosh, isn't it so good to have a home to come back to? <laughs> Robert Frost said home, the definition of home is the place where you go there, they have to take you in. And I'm so glad I have a home in Jesus and I have a place to come back to and pastors and that. But I gotta tell you something, coming back, realizing God is just, it, oh, I'm feeling the Holy Spirit here. But in the creation, it says, you know, in the beginning, the earth was without form and void, and the Holy Spirit just hovered. I think the Holy Spirit is hovering, and he's preparing us, and he's wanting to prepare us to something new. Because I got to tell you something, God has a dream for this church that no pastor, no staff can fulfill. It's going to take all of us. And so have you been dealing with your toolbox I preached on on Easter? Have you been dealing with your spiritual PPE? I'm going to tell you, the shield of faith, the sandals of peace, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, all of those things have taken on new dimensions for me. And then my wife and I were away. I just prayed over each one of them. God, am I equipped? Am I preparing? Prepare ye the way of the Lord, because he's coming. And he's working through this church. And, and we're not a better church. We're just different. And we have been given this ministry of reconciliation. Pastor Scott said that, and I believe it. And so as we sum up this spiritual PPE uh, series, we go back to an Old Testament prophet. We go back to a time that I think is a great case study for what we've been talking about. So it's Zechariah. You may even not read Zechariah. You're like, I heard of Isaiah, heard of Jeremiah, even Jonah. Who's Zechariah? Zechariah was preaching to the people after they had been in exile, after they had been convicted of their idolatry. And their idolatry was not worshiping pornography or worshiping money. Their idolatry was worshiping good things, the temple, the Bible, the Ten Commandments, the religion, but those took the place of God. And God stripped them out into the exile, and Zechariah says, now we're coming back. Now we're going to rebuild and prepare for what God's going to do with us. And let's look at these words together. Zechariah said, then God showed me the high priest Joshua, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan, we've been talking about Satan, I know some of you have been like, oh, Chip, you seem like you have more than the eighth grade education, and you've been talking about the devil. Yes, there, we battle not against flesh and blood. Doesn't mean we don't battle against flesh and blood. Paul's saying we don't only battle 
against flesh and blood. It's not against Democrats. It's not against Republicans. It's not against, you know, socialists or capitalists. That there's something greater at work. There's a spirit of evil that's seeking to divide us. So that Satan's standing at the right hand, what? To accuse. Hold on to that. And the Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, O Satan, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem, that's you, that's me, that's the people, rebuke you. It's not this man, a brand plucked from the fire. Now Joshua was dressed, watch this, with filthy clothes. Pastor Scott preached the nine o'clock uh, heritage today uh, online, and he said that that word in Hebrew can be interpreted excrement. Mm. Filthy, filthy clothes as he stood before the angel. The angel said to those who were standing before him, take off his filthy clothes. And to him, to Joshua, see, he said to us, see, I have taken your guilt away from you and I will clothe you, I will clothe you with festal apparel, with party clothes. Isn't that great? And I said, let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him with the apparel. And the angel of the Lord was standing by Then the angel of the Lord assured Joshua, assured, putting certainty into him, saying, thus says the Lord of hosts, if you will walk in my ways and keep my requirements, if you will be in this ministry of reconciliation, then you shall rule my house and have charge of my courts, and I will give you the right of access to all who are standing here. To those who are with me in this throne room, you will be there also. You will have access to me. I love this passage because it's, it's an image of, to me, what we're dealing with with spiritual PPE, that first off, there is a courtroom. We want to say that. There is a courtroom. There is a place where we know there is judgment. Now, now I don't want, this isn't hellfire and brimstone. I think all of us know that somewhere we're falling short, Right? If you read Genesis, we were created for perfection. I mean, I am no way perfect. But when I read what God's intention was for the world, he created me to be in perfect relationship with him and perfect relationship with one another. But instead, I'm standing here in filthy clothes. In to quote Pastor Scott, and I want you to know it's Pastor Scott, not me. So if you don't like the word, email Scott at garfieldchurch.org. I'm standing here in excrement, right? Maybe I don't even have clothes on. Maybe I'm naked. How many of you have ever had this dream? I listened to a famous preacher this past week, Tim Keller at Redeemer Church, and he confessed something that has always happened to me, that he has a nightmare that sometimes he's in this nightmare and he wakes up like in public and he's half-dressed or he's not dressed. I, I don't like to tell you I've had that dream. And sometimes I've had the dream even coming to Garfield, like I'm ready to come preach a sermon, but I'm not prepared. I'm in my bed clothes. I got to go take a shower in my office. There's no shower in my office. I got to go clean up, and I come out, and the whole congregation's in my office, and I can't find my clothes. I got no towel. And what does that do? It's a question of, do I measure up? Do I measure up? Am I acceptable? There's a courtroom that we... You know, to this morning we did the 9 o'clock drive-in, and we had 96.1 tune-in. Do you know God gives us a conscience? And it's a radio transmitter to tune into the courtroom of, are you living out the way I've created you? 
But what happens is there's a courtroom, but watch this. There's also an accuser. And what have we said about Satan all along? He takes good things. He just injects little lies in them. Like, of course, we should ask, do we measure up? Am I living as God wants me to live? Am I, am I being the person that God calls me to be? Before I hit, you know, post on that Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, does this represent Christ? Before I, I go out and do some things, we should have a conscience that, that transmits to us. But Satan injects, well, you don't measure up. He's an opportunist. I've been preaching this this whole series. Come on, somebody. Do you, have you had that voice when something goes really wrong in your life? You lose a job. You fail that test. You don't get into that college you wanted to be in. The person you thought you were going to marry, it doesn't work out. You get ill. Do you hear a voice come in sometimes say, you deserve this? Right? It's an opportunist. There's a voice of evil, right? Why do I remember things that I'm embarrassed about doing 35 years ago more than I remembered what I preached on two weeks ago? Because there is a voice that comes in that injects some poison into the accusation of whether or not we measure up. We should always be questioning that, but it just comes in. Or how about, you know, when you fail? When you try something. How about this? When you go to pray and you go to pray to God, come on, somebody, I've had this happen. I can't be the only one. You hear that little voice say, Why are you here praying? Why should God listen to you? He's not answering your prayers because you don't deserve it. There is an accusatory voice that comes into each and every one of us. There is a courtroom, friends, there is an accuser. But guess what? But we have an advocate. I love it in this passage. It says that the angel of the Lord stood before the throne and spoke for Joshua. Do you notice Joshua doesn't speak? I mean, Pastor Scott, if you listen to his 9 o'clock message online of Heritage, he said that Satan couldn't speak. The angel of the Lord stepped in. But Joshua didn't even speak. The angel of the Lord. Now listen to this, angel of the Lord. If you read in the Old Testament... There are angels, Gabriel, Michael, but there's this cryptic figure, the angel of the Lord, who speaks not for the Lord, but who speaks as the Lord. When Hagar was dying in the wilderness, the angel of the Lord came and said, I have prepared for you a well in the desert. When Moses went before the burning bush, the angel of the Lord said, I have come. <clears throat> to send you to Pharaoh. Who's this angel of the Lord that doesn't speak for the Lord but speaks as the Lord? He's the second person of the Trinity. It's a reflection, it's a foreshadowing of Jesus who comes as the advocate, who comes as the interceder for us. And, and I, I used to think when Jesus, they said Jesus is pleading my case before the throne, um, <clears throat> I used to think of the movie My Cousin Vinny. Anybody see that? With Joe Pesci. I'm sorry, Pastor Steve, Pastor Scott, they, they, they use like 30 movie illustrations when they preach. So I got to use one. I love that movie where Joe Pesci is this little, you know, he's got the leather coat and he's got all this stuff. He's from New York. He's not real polished. 
and there's this defense attorney who's very polished. He's got the suit on and everything. And he, uh, some of the defendants said, we want him. And he goes forward. He can't speak well. He's not very intelligent. And then Joe Pesci gets up. He's really good. He can plead the case. And everybody says, I want him. Who do you want to be your advocate? Who do you want to build your case before the throne? The Bible says we have the angel of the Lord. We have Jesus. See, I did my master's work at Princeton University, and and I was so privileged to be at that seminary because it's historic. There was a signer of the Declaration of Independence who was a president of the seminary. And I, because I'm a history buff, I'd go down into the microfilm and I'd read some of the old sermons and speeches. And I read a sermon by Charles Hodge that kind of changed my life. He was, in fact, you don't know him, but he was a great theologian. There's a Hodge Hall at Princeton to this day. But he wrote a sermon about the advocate. He said two things. One, your advocate is the one that speaks for you before the throne. You don't speak, he speaks. Two, he has an infallible case. And I got through this, and I started digging in this. I said, what was he talking about here? And what he says is that if you go into the courtroom like my cousin Vinny, your advocate, your defense attorney, speaks for you, addresses the court. So if he's or she's eloquent, you're eloquent. If he or she is savvy, you're savvy. If they're stupid, you're stupid. If they win the case succeed, you succeed. If they fail, you fail. And Charles Hodge says, our call as Christians is to get lost in our advocate. To get lost in the midst of the accusations, in the midst of do we measure up. To get lost in the fact that our advocate, Jesus the Christ, speaks for us. He preaches for us. And then he said this, he has an infallible case. See, when I was growing up, before I went to seminary, I thought, okay, I have an advocate. Jesus is up there. Here's what he's doing. He's before the throne of God, and he's saying, God, I'm representing Chip Free. He's an idiot. He was baptized. He says he follows you. But let me, I know he has screwed up for the 400th time in the last three months, right? And But God, you know, since you're my father and I'm your son, can you just give him another day? That's how I felt, right? And guess what? That doesn't give you a lot of security because you start thinking, how many more days do I have? <laughs> right, like how many more one days? I'm gonna screw up again. I won't, maybe I'll have the one day. But Charles Hodge in that sermon says, no, Jesus doesn't go to the throne demanding mercy. He goes demanding justice. He basically goes before the throne and says, God, the Father, yes, Chip is screwed up. Yes, he's, he lies too much. Yes, he cheats too much. Yes, he has fallen too many times. Yes, he deserves wages against this stuff. And I know the wage of sin is death. But Lord, I paid for that sin. I know he has debts to you, but I paid for it. And it would be an injustice for you to collect a second time what I have paid for him for all time. And all of a sudden I realized that Jesus Christ who did that for me as an advocate to release me from the accusation of the enemy that I am, as Pastor Scott preached last week, free. And he who the Son of Man has set free, ready for this, is freed. I don't like a lot about my last name, but I like that one. Is freed indeed. 
that God has, that Jesus Christ, my advocate, has stepped into that place, has spoken for me, has silenced my words, has said this is a brand plucked out from the fire, meaning, yes, he deserved the fire, but I've plucked him out. And that fire will not burn him up. Now, he's still smoldering. He's still got a little black on that stick. He's still polluted. He's still got some char. But we're going to work with that God. But there is now for, there is therefore no condemnation. Yes, the presence of sin, as I preached a few weeks ago, is with him. But the guilt and the condemnation of sin, I have taken away. And when you realize that you have an advocate like that, it changes you. And so how do we then go forth at this spiritual PPE? How do we go forth and face this accusatory voice that we know we have? I'm going to give you five R's. Ready for them? Here they are. Receive your rich robes, revel and rejoice. What does that mean? It says that the, the angel of the Lord said, uh, take off his filthy clothes. Take off his excrement. Take off those things. And put on in what our translation says was festal apparel. But in the Hebrew, it literally says, put on the rich robes. Put on some rich. Oh my gosh, put that on in a festive atmosphere that we can revel, that we can celebrate, and then rejoice. I love that word rejoice. We don't talk about that. We think rejoice is, you know, Jesus is the Lord. You know, no, rejoice is redoing it. Over and over and over again. The joy of the Lord is my salvation. What Jesus Christ has done for me as my advocate, what he has said about me, I just need to replay it and redo it and put that on rewind and repeat and keep doing it again and again and again because he has taken off the dirty clothes and put on royal robes. Do you know where you hear this? In the story of the parable of the prodigal son. The prodigal son says, I'm not worthy. He woke up and said, I've broken the covenant. I've, I've betrayed my dad. He says, I'm not worthy. And then if you read it in Luke 15, it, when he comes home, he says, you know, the, he, the son said to the father, I have sinned against you, heaven against you. I'm no longer worthy. I'm not acceptable. I have on dirty clothes. I've been living with the pigs. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father says, shut up, kid. Right, And he goes to the people and he says, quick, bring the best robe. <laughs> you got to hear me on this. When, when your advocate, the angel of the Lord, says put on a new robe, the best robe was a sign of the parent's affection. Joseph got a robe of many colors. You know, we just had a great niece born recently in the midst of this pandemic. And my wife sent what? A blanket, something, a covering. And it says, never forget you are a child of God. God has a best robe for you. He says, I don't care who you are. I don't care what you've done. You have an affection in my eyes. You have something that I want to surround you with. The best robe. So that you will know you are beloved. By me. That, that, that is such an awesome thing. <clears throat> and I want you, what, to celebrate. I want you to celebrate that. My mom passed away when I first got here to Garfield three months after I got here. And she was a big Irma Bombeck fan. And we had three uh, siblings in our family. She had three children. My, my sister Marilyn, who's in heaven with her. My sister Shirley and myself, the baby. You know, the baby's always a troublemaker. Um, and my sisters were nine and 13 years older than me, so I had three moms. 
And my sister Shirley always says, do you remember the day Chip was born, the heavens opened and Jesus Christ came to earth because I was so spoiled. But my mom quoted Irma Bombeck. If you read this, you can Google it. Irma Bombeck has an article where she writes to her first child, her second child, and her third child. And to each one, she says, I always loved you best. To my first child, here's why I always loved you best. To my second child, here's why I always loved you best. To my third child, my baby, here's why I always loved you best. And we treasured those words because here's the aspect of God. God has a robe just for you. He has a best robe. He has one with your name on it. And I know we feel we're filthy and we're not acceptable. You know what God says to us? Hey, Chip, hey, Terry, hey, Lori, hey, Scott, hey, Joe. Here's why I love you best. Here's why you're my favorite child. Here's why you have a robe of many colors. And when we receive that, you know the confidence it gives us? Not just that Jesus is pleading our case. Oh, I know Chip's broken. He's screwed up. But he's saying, no, he is beloved God. He's created by you. He doesn't even understand He doesn't know how great your power is at work in him. But God, when you look at him, please see me. And so when we have that, we clothe ourselves with it. Let me close with this. I was sharing earlier, and I I worry about this, this statement. It's kind of a little sexist because it was a Puritan pastor in America back way back in the 1700s when women did not have the rights they should have had, when they were victims of oppression and exploitation. But he, but he said in the, his context, in that day and age, he said, if I'm the bride of Christ, if I am the wife of Christ, this male Puritan pastor, he said in that day, if there was any levy of a fine against a wife, a spouse, they would say, go talk to my husband. And he said, using that imagery, as fallen as it is, he said, you know what? If I am the bride of Christ, when the accuser comes to me and says, you owe a debt, you don't measure up, I should say, go talk to my husband. Go talk to my Christ. Go talk to my Jesus. And so as we leave this series, I want you to sense that, friends. When that voice comes upon you, you have an advocate Hebrews 12 says Jesus' blood is speaking in a blood better than Abel. Abel's blood cried up from the ground when Cain killed him and said, oh, you know, crying for justice. Jesus' blood says, I have paid their debt. It is finished. And while Chip's got a lot of work to do, and let me tell you something, you do too. And we need to put on our spiritual PPE. And we need to put on the whole armor of God. We have an advocate that says we are treasured. So put on the best robe. So you know what? When the enemy comes to me, I need to say this. Go talk to my Jesus. Go speak to my Christ. So I will agree with Paul in Ephesians 2 that I was... You know what? Here's what somebody said to me. When the enemy comes to you, don't run away. Run at him. And say, you think you know what's wrong with me? I'm worse than you think I am. I know more what's wrong with me than you do. But I was lost and dead in trespasses. I was dead in my sin. But God, who is rich in mercy, in that he has loved me, has has accepted me, has brought me in out of the great love he loved us when I was dead in sin. He made me alive together with him and seated me 
in a place I don't belong, at the table of the Lord. So you want to come trouble me? Go trouble him. He is my advocate. And I want to be lost in him. You want to put up the shield of faith? You want to put on the helmet of salvation? You want to put on the breastplate of righteousness? You want to put on the belt of truth? Let me tell you, prepare, Garfield. Prepare, prepare, prepare. Because God has some heavy lifting work for us to do. We are called, listen to me, friends, to the ministry of reconciliation. That's why Paul was killed. Paul was not killed because he preached Jesus. Don't you ever believe that? It's not true. He was, believed, he was killed because he brought Gentiles in. Because he opened the kingdom for everybody. Because he knew everybody had an advocate. And Paul says something in Romans 5.20. I can't let this go, man. I know I need to shut up. But back there, they saw me. Time's up. Shut up. I'm with you. But I got to tell you, in Romans 5.20, Paul said this. Where sin abounded, grace abounded all the more. <laughs> that, that Paul was saying, look, I was broken. I was breathing violence. I was killing Christians. I thought I was religious. But I met Jesus. And at the center of the universe was not condemnation. It was not whether to wear a mask or don't wear a mask or how to vote or not. It was love, absolute, unconditional love. And it blinded me and it melted me. And I learned that where sin abounded, where my filthy garments abounded, love and grace abounded all the more. And I want you to know that's what you need to put on because you have an advocate, friends. Amen? Trust it and let's believe it. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, the angel of the Lord, and of the Holy Spirit, who is your advocate, even now, let us live and dwell in peace.